Steve Vines, good morning, and thanks for waiting for the football. I, I, I'm a sort of in-trainee noisette myself. You're <laughs> and so you should be. Hey, look, I don't see what all the big deal is about. Look, what's this? You see? See what I've got in front of me? Ah, yes, it's a, a, a papier blanc. It's a papier blanc. Well, how can this be so scary? <laughs> yes, well... Listen, hang on a minute. Don't go out on July the 1st. OK, It is it. a bit scary. I mean, uh, what people are saying about this white paper from the State Council in Beijing is, oh, don't you worry, they've said all this stuff before. Um, that's true and it's not true. Go on. What's true is that there's nothing in there which is very surprising, but there is lots in there which is very alarming. And, and the two headline um, characteristics of this paper that are very alarming is the way in which it seems to have definitively, and this is why it does matter what's written down, mm -hmm. definitively told Hong Kong. You remember that promise we gave to you about one country, two systems? Fingers crossed! Um, we, were, we were just joking. It's one country. And you can have your two systems only as long as we let you have it. And that's exactly what they're saying. The other really ominous thing, and I'm very, very pleased that the Bar Council has pounced on it, because it, it's enormously scary. I think this is the first time that a Chinese state body has made it clear that they don't wish to see the independence of the judiciary. You know, when you say that, that judges are part of the government and are um, uh, officers in the same way as other government officers, those words, those absolutely vital words which pin down the, the fundamental independence of Hong Kong, independence of the judiciary, rule of law, are being challenged in a very, very considerable way. They're now saying, you know, judges are to be considered just like any other government official. They've got to be patriots, they've got to be this and that. But the whole point of the word independent judiciary is, it, is what it says on the tin. The, the, the crucial Separate. word there is independent. Yeah. Independent, whichever way up you turn it means, is not part of the administration. It means that judges can be called upon to make rulings on things that administrative officers have done. It means that even the most senior members of the administration, as we see in court this very day, can be brought before the courts. You have the, chief, the former chief secretary. Not, yeah. Yeah, chief secretary at Raphael Hoy in court today. I mean, all of these things happen because Hong Kong has rule of law. And I just think that people in Beijing, the worst interpretation is that they don't like independence of the judiciary and they're deliberately setting out to undermine it. Mm. The other interpretation is they just don't understand the concept. They really do not understand the concept. All right, you've mentioned judges, Steve. Where does this leave the ICAC? Well, the ICAC isn't, in fact, the same because it is part of the government machinery. But the question is... So there's, how your, mo much there's your model, if well, you think about well, it. Well, I don't think so, because it, it, with the ICAC, you, you know, you can do... You can do, and um, they'll hate me for saying this, but it is they probably true. already do. So well, go for it, I, if they care, um, I, it is that, that that it is part of the government machinery, and they can do deals. So if it's politically expedient to do Y and not do X, they'll do it. Now, often when you're fighting corruption, actually, that's that's. It, it, it sounds shoddy, but it's it's an acceptable thing to do. You mm -hmm. know, if you want to catch fish A, you might have to throw away the little toddlers in fish B. I, I can't really say what precisely these deals are, but I know from having talked to people in the ICAC and incidentally in other equivalent bodies that they, they act in a, in a political way. The, 
judiciary cannot do this. It, you know, this whole thing about cannot show fear or favour. It is serious. It's not just a set of words. It sounds cool. Though, it, it sounds cool. I mean, it is something that judges take seriously. I, I, I've rarely come across a respected judge who, who, who doesn't have that emblazoned, figuratively, of course, on their brows. That, and they're so conscious of the need not to be part of the administration. So, once you've started to do what this white paper has done, it hasn't started to do it, but it's crystallised this idea that the courts are no longer an independent body. The consequences are completely terrifying because one of the reasons why Hong Kong is an international financial centre, why it's an arbitration centre, why people put businesses here, all of these reasons pivot around the idea that rule of law prevails, that there is an independent judiciary. If at the stroke of a pen the um, highest officials in Beijing can say, well, that's... Yeah, yeah, well, well, that's not really important. What's really important is that these people are patriots. Honestly, it, it, I mean, and what's so scary about this is that Hong Kong's own principal officials, the chief executive, the chief secretary, all these people are supposed to represent Hong Kong, when asked about this, say, no, no, don't be alarmed, everything's all right. no. These people should be standing up for Hong Kong. I, tell you I really don't think there's any excuse whatsoever for not doing that. There's a big wave of game over this week, just generally. But I think where, where you started just now, you were talking about one country, two systems, forget about it. One country. Give us a bit of a history lesson. Turn back the clock and tell us about Percy Craddock's trip to Beijing. Well... The, not only Percy Craddock, I mean, Percy Craddock, well, he didn't make a trip to Beijing. He was, in fact, the, the ambassador at the time. We're talking now about 1982. Mm. From 1982 to 84, which were the crucial years of the negotiation between Britain and China, all, of course, so long ago that they've forgotten in history. But during that time, the whole tenor of the Chinese approach, the public statements, particularly of Deng Xiaoping, and indeed of other Chinese officials, but they took their key from Deng Xiaoping, was Hong Kong should set its heart at ease. We are going to run an entirely different system for Hong Kong. These are, I'm not even paraphrasing this out of its original context. This is originally what was stated. Now history is being rewritten. Hong Kong was never promised any sort of just unusual... along, just uh, let them have their fun. Yeah, any sort of unusual autonomy. Yeah. Um, and remember what the genesis of all of this was. Actually, One Country, Two Systems was never designed for Hong Kong. It was designed for Taiwan. Just let me do a correction here. It wasn't Percy Craddock. The former governor. One of the former governors on a trip. Oh, you. On... Edward yeah, Ude, yeah, yes. sorry. My bad. No, 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 but, but you're quite right. Uh, Craddock was very intimately involved in the negotiations and subsequently became a foreign affairs advisor to, to Margaret Thatcher. So, I mean, he was an enormously big player. I, I'm just being pedantic, saying he didn't travel there. No, you're right, you're right, because I remember he, we've he, talked about yeah, this before. Yeah. But anyway, anyway what I was going to say was that, that uh, as far as One Country, Two Systems was concerned, this, in fact, was Deng Xiaoping's idea to persuade people in Taiwan that it would be a good idea to return to the embrace of the motherland and that Hong Kong, and to a 
much lesser extent Macau, would be models that would provide reassurance for the people of Taiwan. Well, it wasn't about us in the slightest. Well, you know, my 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 advice to anybody who still believes this is so is uh, go to Taiwan and ask them how attractive one country (laughs) two systems is to the people of Taiwan. I'd say if you get more than ten percent of people. That would be an absolute maximum figure of people who are persuaded by this idea. But what's really bad about this, uh, and I, I, I'm, if it sounds like repetition, I apologise, but I don't think it can be emphasised too strongly, is the extent to which Hong Kong's own leaders will not stand up for Hong Kong. And that's... No wonder people feel alienated. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, I mean, the thing about Taiwan is interesting because, you know, as daft as it sounds, it's not connected to China geographically. The Kowloon Peninsula, which is the big McGill of the new territories, yes. is. Yes. I mean, who wants a bunch of <coughs> handbag shops? Well, I do, but nobody Let's else Let's go to does. a couple of emails here. This is from Steve, who said, Could Steve please clarify who the hell is the State Council? And according to a lady on Backchat this morning, I don't know her name, he says, she claimed that the White Paper did not state that judges have to, quote, love Hong Kong, love the motherland. And Steve says, which is true? He says, which is true, question mark. Um, if true, obviously the implications of this are massive, and the sycophants still won't wake up. That's well, let, let's start with the second one first. Go on, then. Judges are in the white paper in a category alongside people who have to be patriots and love the motherland. So if you put them in that category and you then say the requirement for membership of that category is mm-hmm. that, that, that you have to do this, it's very clear. The fact they didn't repeat the word judges in another sentence is, is really neither here nor there. So let's get rid of that piece of nonsense, whoever phoned up back chat about that. Um, be ashamed of yourself. It could have been one of the guests, actually. It could have been one of the guests. Well, well, that's all right. They can be ashamed of themselves. I'm not worried. Secondly, um, sorry, I've missed the the plot. The second point that Steve raised was about the... um, The first point was who the hell is the State Council? Oh, right. Who who the hell is the State Council? Well, the State Council is a lovely body, um, in my view, and it's the sort of body that only exists in, in, in dictatorships. They all have one, you know. The Soviet Union had had a similar body which was called the... Sen- it's very different. Oh, sorry, it's very different. Yeah, very oh, God, different. I keep forgetting. But in, 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 in our dearly beloved, uh, and actually departed Soviet Union, it used to be called um, the... Um, the people's so oh no the people's soviet is the mpc i keep remembering they're all f- phony bodies um but it, it it is i suppose the highest body of government is that in, 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 <laughs> no 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 let, let, let me try and explain it because um if if i explain it even i might understand it. right, it's the highest body of government but of course the high the real highest body of of, of government in the People's Republic is the central, no, not the central committee, is is the standing committee of of the Communist Party. So the State Council is is the government body, and in the if you look at a chart, you'll see it's right at the top of the government structure. Yeah. But in terms of real power, of course, it resides with the members of the Politburo of the Communist Party. The fact that there's overlap between the State Council and the Communist organs of power. <laughs> isn't a coincidence, let me put it mildly. Yeah. I, I remember when, as a callow youth, I was studying um, Soviet history, and we had a lecturer who, 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 who loved to read out the names of all these bodies, uh, uh, a very fine Hungarian gentleman called Tibor Zamueli, and he'd go, and ladies and gentlemen, I now read to you this body, that body, and he'd, he'd read them all out. Ladies and gentlemen, 
It's all rubbish. <laughs> There's only one central policy-making body in the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, which is the top of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, and then he would elaborate on why that was so. And it's the same in the Chinese system. Yeah. All of these bodies are essentially subservient to the Communist Party, and the Communist Party Politburo, of course does not even vaguely operate any form of transparent government. I think... And nor does the Central Committee, incidentally, which is the, the tier below that. All right, we'll just get to another one in a second. You just made me laugh there. I think everybody has to have a professor, former professor yeah. from an Eastern Bloc country. I remember one. I thought, blah, 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 Hungarian? No, Czech, Czech. And, you know, some, somewhere that was formerly communist. Yeah. And I said, Prof, how did you get out of uh, Romania or wherever it was? He says, Phil... I put my oboe under my arm and I run like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to an email from Scott here. He says, the problem is that judges in Hong Kong are joined to the executive branch by class consciousness. He says, look at how sentences are handed down. It's clear that class and money play a huge role in how it's done. Having said that, he says, Beijing isn't helping any. Well, you know, he's onto something there. And I don't think that's a peculiarly Hong Kong problem. I mean, people say in Britain, which is famous for its independent judiciary, that exactly the same problem exists. But you know what? It's still better than the other alternatives. It's not, it's not perfect. It is quite true that these boys all look after their own and they're, they're connected through social links, through, through class links, through family links and all the rest of it. I know all of that. He's yeah. quite right. Yeah. But, you know, all the other systems are worse. <laughs> That's all I can say. Anything you want to jump in with, please do. Morning Brew at rthk.hk or go and find our Morning Brew Facebook page. Let's talk about what people are discussing around well, town. Well, let's just, just, just before we go, one, one of the things which greatly amuses me is yet, well, it shouldn't amuse me because it's sinister, but yet again, the white paper talks darkly about foreign forces meddling. Where are in, you? Where, where am Come I? Out. I'm, I'm a bit of a foreign force myself. Meddling in the internal affairs of Hong Kong. But this week we've seen foreign forces not only sort of subtly meddling, but blatantly meddling by taking adverts in leading newspapers like the Economic Journal, the Economic Times and the South China Morning Post. These are foreign chambers of commerce who have taken adverts saying how terrible Occupy Central would be for, for business. It's interesting that some of the bigger chambers, like the American Chamber, the British Chamber and the Australian Chamber, haven't joined this um, admirable Who collection. Who are the ones that have? Well, we shan't name them, but they are. The Hong Kong General Chamber, they are the massive Bahrain Business Association, the Canadian Chamber, which is indeed a big one, uh, the Italian one and the Indian one. But unless any of these people but, have but a crystal ball, how the heck well, do you no, know? Well, no, no, but my, my, my point... Well, how do they know that? But my, my point is, that's odd. I haven't heard anybody saying that they shouldn't have intervened in the internal affairs of Hong Kong. I haven't seen anybody from C.Y. Lung's office saying it's a disgrace or from Western. To Morning Brew with Steve Vines. We've got an email from Bowen. Good morning, Bowen, and thanks very much. We do, yeah. He, he's raising an interesting point, which probably um, baffles everybody who likes to be baffled about these things. He's basically saying, well, um, the state councils issued a white paper. Uh, what is it? What is a white paper? I know, I didn't want to ask you that, because people are going to He says, you know, um, is this but an announcement of firm um, government policy, as opposed to green papers, which are supposed to be sort of 
consultation type papers or do they meld into one and and, and um is it a press release like an official one that's got the stamp on well it? i think what's what's interesting about the white paper of course is that it doesn't have any precise standing whatsoever right. i mean a white paper in hong kong outlines a um let me get this right a white paper in hong kong outlines the contents of a legislative proposal. It's not a consultation document. It's, if you like, it's the first draft of a piece of legislation. Now, this um, document from Beijing, of course, isn't a piece of legislation. It says a guide. One of the things, one of the descriptions is a, a guide or a report. Yes, yes. That's, that's actually so what it means. It, it, it is a mixture of both because part of the, the uh, white paper that people don't discuss is it goes over the, the, the glorious record of Hong Kong since uh, liberation from British tyranny in 1997. Um, and it, one of the things apparently that, 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 that the central government did so brilliantly was handle the SARS crisis. I, I'm sure that wasn't written by anybody who was on the premises at the time, but never mind. Um, it also claims that since the liberation from British tyranny, um, democracy has progressed by leaps and bounds. So on the one hand, it's a sort of um, rewriting of history a la, a la um, Beijing mode. On the other hand, it sets out a list of uh, requirements and principles which it expects to be followed. Yep. So Bowen's question is, what sort of legal status does this have? I think that the, the fact of the matter is it's like a lot of these documents from Beijing. It has a very imprecise or possibly non-existent legal status, but... Does that mean it won't be important? I think one of the main reasons why the authorities in Beijing issue these documents is not so much for the other folks, it's for their own supporters. Because remember, lots of their own supporters aren't the um, highest voltage bulbs in the in lighting the system. <laughs> yes. So they like to be told what to think. And, and this kind of document is very helpful in telling them what to think. So they now say, oh, well, you know, there was a white paper from the State Council that says blah, 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 blah. This is now what we think. So it's a little nudge. So it's, it's a big nudge. A timely it's, nudge. It's a timely nudge. So it sets out, um, it, 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 it sets out its version of history, which, again, you know, it's very interesting. All these communist states love to be rewriting history constantly. Yeah. And they... they, they, they um, oh, and then they, they say when it's not convenient, they say, oh, people shouldn't dwell on history, you know, ooh, very, very bad. This is from China that's still dwelling on the history of the Japanese occupation, which, incidentally, they should dwell on, but if you can dwell on that, you can certainly yep. dwell on what happened in Tiananmen Square 25 years ago. No kidding. No but, kidding, but, yeah. but check it out, you know, people are joking. It's like a little nudge to the converted to say, by the way... Yeah, well, it's, July it's, 1st, it's, the, it's the script. Occupy it's Central. The script. It's the script. So, yeah. you know, your average your average 15-watt light bulb in the DAB can pick this up and says, look, it says here... It's very handy. I have a little list. We have a little list. Can you do me so, a favour and read the last couple of lines when he talks about so Gordon Grant? Somebody called Gordon Grant said that on close examination, white papers and green papers often merge to a uniform grey. Maybe this is another case of copying the superficial elements without understanding what these terms really mean. Well, he, he could be right. As I say, my own take on this is it's not a legal document, but it's an authoritative document. Well, it's got them all a flutter, that's for and sure. And it will be used. This is the crucial thing, is will it be used or won't it be used to justify actions that will flow from it will it be used for example to neutralize the judiciary that's the most uh, terrifying 
prospect well it's got to be a possibility would it be used in arguments to limit the development of uh, universal suffrage in hong kong i think yes as night follows day it will be but weren't we supposed to follow what it said in the basic law that's basic law yes possibly it's it's all down there but but you know again i mean to be fair and goodness me Goodness knows, I don't come all this way into Kowloon Tong to be fair of a no, Thursday morning. Appreciate but, that. you know, the basic law is a constitutional document. It's not a, it's not a detailed prescription for A, B and C. So it sets out, as all constitutional documents are, I mean, you look at the rows they have in the United States about what the Constitution of the United States, which is, funnily enough, even older than the basic law, is and, and that's got some real weirdos in and it, it's by got the way. some real weirdos. <laughs> so you, you you know the right to bear arms, for example, which a lot of people think might be ever so slightly dangerous. But I mean, my my point is this: is that constitutional documents are in need of interpretation, which indeed is why you have a white paper like this, yeah. why you have rulings from the State Council from time to time. Doesn't it crack you up? But the, the real thing is, you know, in democratic societies, constitutions are uh, evolutionary. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're not there for all time. No. It doesn't crack you up that people have been using this word or two words, white paper, all week. It's like we all know what it means. Yeah, I know, and nobody does. And, and yeah. everybody's too scared to ask. <laughs> Scott does a PS to his previous email. He said, one day I'd like to get a guideline to white, blue, etc. use of papers. Um, in governments, he said, he said, white paper from Beijing isn't really a white paper. I've seen the government use terms like blue paper. No, that's, <laughs> that's for a different thing. Can I say something politically incorrect? <laughs> Stand well back, go on. I know white papers that are very useful for rolling up tobacco in. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. Well, I, I was, but then I thought, better not. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, timeliness. Like I said, July 1st well, is around I mean, the corner. They, Nobody they, knows what's going to go down there. It's interesting. One of the... Uh, and, you know, I listen, as everybody does, very closely to what the chief executive says. One of the things that C.Y. Lung said, in defence of this, which was very peculiar, was he said, oh... Oh, oh, this is very good because it's been in preparation for a long time. Well, I'm sure, well, it in, must be. incidentally, that must be true because in these big bureaucracies it passes through everybody's hands and their auntie before it gets anywhere. Yeah. But it, the fact that it's been in preparation for a long time doesn't negate the fact that it's supposed to address current circumstances and current circumstances are Hong Kong is on the verge of taking a very big decision about its constitutional future. Well... Even the people in Beijing knew this a long time ago, so I'm not quite sure why that's a defence of its its you, integrity and, and perfectness. Do you know what the insidious thing is here? I mean, we've had it in the news, it's in Beijing loyalists, X, Y and Z. The insidious thing here is that people in Hong Kong are taking it upon themselves to say, well, what they mean is this, what they don't mean is this. I mean, when did you get ordained? <laughs> and as I always say, when did you get a crystal ball? Yeah, well, you know, who are you to say what you know to well, the people the, of the, your your people yeah. in your town? I mean, what they what they they then what, what I can tell you exactly what happens now. So now all the minions know what the script is, and you'll see. In fact, you even saw it yesterday. The usual suspects are trotted out to say that the script is perfect. You had Rita Fan. You had... Um, we haven't had Maria Tam yet. She'll, she'll be coming but along I mean, soon. Na- names but, aside, Steve, I mean... No, what- no, but what I'm saying is this is how it works. Yeah, okay. Is the document comes out, the goons then come out... I don't think and it, then it And then it sort of gets solidified into a, a block of salt. But Ask it, Mr Lott about that. Yeah, absolutely. But it, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, 
I know news guys need some content, but I, 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 the minute somebody opens yeah, their mouth yeah. and says something, it's in the news, and all of a sudden it becomes in, set in salt, as you say. <laughs> uh, another Steve writes in, he says, saying the white paper is a nudge to the dimwits, how about the implication that there is a threat? Any comment? I think it's a little No, failed. no, no, I, I'm saying that's one aspect of it, um, is it's a nudge to the dimwits. But it is, of course, also, um, it, you know, like everything, it has more than one purpose. It is also a, a set of principles that people have looked at and said oh my god do they really mean that judges have to be part of the government etc etc so yeah it's a multifaceted problem that's a big word yeah any comments do drop us a line we've got about five minutes together left it's morning brew at rthk.hk um conclude this section steve uh here we have this paper here we have a couple of juicy dates in the calendar What's well, I think, I think the first juicy date, of course, is July the 1st, which is uh, upon us in a couple of weeks. Indeed. And that is Hong Kong's Establishment Day, so that's when the people in suits will, will trot along to have a warm glass of champagne and raise a flag right. over in um, Admiralty or Wan Chai, wherever you want to call it. Um, it's also the day, of course, when you'll have massive rallies. I think the first immediate effect of this will be to propel many people onto the streets to join the annual protest rally. And the, the July 1st one's a sort of ragbag rally. It covers Most everybody's so, but discontents. Can you blame them? But there's also another date, which is very much in the minds of the Democratic camp, but I think even more in the minds, interestingly, of the anti-Democratic camp, is the referendum, or the so-called referendum, if you prefer that mm. terminology, on the 22nd of this month. Now, I think a lot of people who are very sceptical about the referendum and didn't like the, the limited choice that was being offered because of actions of the radicals will now say, oh, sod it, I'm going to vote in this because I'm really worried and really effed off about what's going on with this increasing pressure. So those are the two big dates coming up. But, of course, the bigger date, um, if you like, is at some time or other this hopeless government will have to produce legislation which will allegedly or purportedly implement um, universal suffrage all right then well uh, let's leave that one for the time being um what about my always oh, an email here just pops in boing oh they do don't i they? love emails they're great they, oh god i had one once tom dear phil and steve the tuesday extract from my facebook page uh which is let me just see here Oh, it's quite long. I'll, I'll print it up, Tom, and we'll get back to that in a second. Long hair's in jail. He's now short hair. <laughs> yeah, he's not in there for very long. I don't think he's going to become a political martyr for spending uh, four weeks in jail. I've but... got it. I've got it here now. Let's do this before I forget. His ADHD. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> what does this, he say? Hey, Tom put this on his Facebook page. He said, "This is what people who left Hong Kong pre 1997 feared. What is to be feared is not the growing birth pangs of political life, such as current protests and sit downs, but rather China's possible seat of the pants reaction, as seen 25 years ago in Tiananmen Square and demonstrated by this white paper!" Exclamation mark. Tom says China does not understand democracy and is unable to hear opposing views. With their pathetic band of Hong Kong's so-called advisers, ex-civil servants, self-interested lawyers, a hand-picked leader and others ignorant of the meaning of bureaucracy, they only get advice they can hear. Words only have the meaning they can understand. And can I just add to that? I don't disagree with that, but let me just add to that. Follow the money. 
where do all the people, the princelings, the sons and daughters of the really powerful in China, the great tycoons who talk about democracy here, where do they send their sons and daughters to be educated? That's so odd. Where do they put their money to a man and woman? It goes into places that have rule of law, that have democratic governments. Follow the money. Absolutely, that yeah. is that is so weird. You've we thought about this so many times. Yeah. You've got foreigners, and it doesn't change. I mean, now as as the 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 plutocracy in China grows, of course, the flows out of money grow exponentially. But why why do why do all these guys? Because they don't themselves believe the system is stable. <laughs>